right, welcome back to another week of the NFL season. We are moving on to the divisional round. The wild card weekend was insane, or as the NFL likes to call it, super wild card weekend. I've never been a big fan of it personally. I just think you should call it wild card weekend. Uh, super wild card weekend just sounds really lame to me. But nonetheless, we had some pretty great games last weekend. Uh, didn't get Preston and Gledhill on the show last week. We were traveling, so didn't have time to to get together. I ended up doing it by myself, and I had to knock it out by myself. So we'll have a full slate of games this week with normal episodes. So let's go ahead and get on into it. I'm excited because I haven't talked to y'all in over a week. So Preston, we'll start with you. Obviously, the Chargers season didn't end the way you wanted to. But despite everything else, how was your week? Despite the game? I mean, week was good. Just work and more work as usual. Um, But man, last weekend was rough. That was easily the worst sports night in my entire life. Yeah, I didn't even... Uh, so we're in that group chat. Uh, not the one with Gledhill, but the one, the other one with like T-Mac and like Jacob in them. And when they... Uh, I, I wasn't going to say anything to you. I was like, I'm going to wait for him to text me. And they ended up text like saying something to you first. I was like, I don't have the balls right now to text this man. I don't even want to think about what he's going through. But it was probably better that you weren't on last week because I, I didn't want you to to think of me differently because I actually did pick the Jaguars to win that game. So it's a two-way street because you picked the Bucks to beat the Cowboys. So we were against each other last week and I'm sorry that about your charges. We'll definitely have to get into that game because that, that was ridiculous. Uh, Gledhill, how was your week? I know I saw you in Arkansas last weekend. So no. yeah, it was, that was fun. That was fun getting to see you up there. Um, cool. I was, I was like going to that track. So that was a lot of fun. And I was watching, um, I actually didn't even see the the Niners um, Seahawks game on Saturday. I don't know what I was doing. I didn't watch that game though. I, I was um, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of like I feel like the real playoffs are starting now. Like I think I think there were great games in the four five slots and the six three, and I guess that one you know Bills Dolphins was all right. But I mean you just know the whole time like the Bills are not losing this game unless they just lose it. Like they just turn they keep turning the ball Which over. They almost did. Out. <laughs> Which they almost did, but I don't know. I'm not. I would never. I'm not going to make an argument to go back to six teams on each side. But I mean, the Seahawks clearly didn't belong, and I don't. I don't think the Dolphins belonged either. I just think the Bills beat themselves. Um, but it is interesting. Like the last couple weeks of the season, you teams are fighting for seven spots instead of six. So it kind of more teams have hope toward the end. Basically, if you're a 500 team, you have hope. So I don't know. But anyways. I remember I was watching the first half of the Chargers game. I was cooking some dinner, and then uh, it started getting out of hand. And I'm like, okay, I guess the Chargers came to play today. Like the, their defense is on. Trevor Lawrence just—it's it, just not his night. You know, it just felt like okay, there's just nothing. You know, and I remember joking. I was like, well, they'll give the Chiefs fits if they can if they can hold this lead. And I was totally joking when I sent that. I didn't think in a million years anything would happen. So we turned the game off, and actually, I put my dinner in some Tupperware and I took it over to one of my teammates house. And we started watching the OKC bombing documentary, just like five of us. And all of a sudden, like, I remember like an hour into it, I started, I'm like, I wonder like, okay, what's the score of this, this game now? You know, did the chargers, or did they hold on to this? And are they blowing them out still? And I check and it's like a three point game or something or four. It was like a one score game at that point. And I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Like, this is really happening. And kind of had the game on my phone the last few minutes and it kind of saw the end of it there. But um, yeah, that was crazy. Fun night. Um, couldn't believe it. 
I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't have. I'll leave. I'll let Preston make all the comments about the game because I don't have a ton. I didn't see like most of that comeback, but I saw. I, I saw it was funny. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you brought up the, uh, you know, going back to possibly going back to uh, just six teams in the playoffs. And I mean, it seems like the seven seed just cannot beat the two seed. Like, it's just always a mismatch. And now 0-5 since the expansion. Um, now, what I was really excited for these playoff rules, and I said this last week, is uh, the, the new playoff OT rules. So now both teams uh, both get a possession. Uh, and then if both teams uh, score then the next possession, it comes to like a sudden death scenario. And that, you know, of course, those rules were, you know, implicated once uh, the Chiefs and the Bills game, that crazy game last year ended. Uh, so that's that's what I'm looking forward to, you know, for the playoffs. But man, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're kind of through the wild card weekend. Not saying that any game was bad. Uh, I enjoyed all the games that I watched. Game I probably watched the least uh, was the 49ers and the Seahawks because that was on the, the, time, the same time I was still traveling back on the airplane. So I was, I watched like a, a little bit in the airplane and then the Wi-Fi was bugging out Southwest airlines. Uh, so I like missed a little bit of the game. Uh, but by the time I landed, like the 49ers were already pulling away anyway. So I caught at least the good part of the game where it was competitive. But other than that, yeah, I mean, I was able to watch most of the games this uh, weekend and I'm just kind of glad that they're over because I think the divisional round has a lot more matchups and at least the time slots too. the time slots of these games seem a lot better than last week. I don't I don't understand why they had to do a Monday night football on primetime. I think that's an L. And of course the only reason they did it is because they wanted three primetime games in a row. I get it. But they had six teams, so they could have did three and three. Instead they did three, two, one. Just because they had to put another team on primetime. Luckily we're not doing that this time. There's only eight teams remaining and they're spreading it out adequately this time uh so the games we have this weekend are are going to be i think more intense and, and more competitive uh as we look at the divisional round there's eight teams remaining in this playoff bracket and sunday is going to be a barn burner but we have to start with saturday of course we got jaguars and chiefs giants and eagles and then sunday we have bills Bengals, and 49ers cowboys so sunday is going to be a crazy week or a crazy day so uh yeah preston uh let's i guess let's go ahead and recap some of these games we got to start with uh, the Chargers and the Jaguars, since you know that was that was the game that was on our mind, and of course uh, I'll ask you a little bit about your thoughts in a second. But want to go over a little bit of things, you know. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence he started really shaky. It was like a moment was getting too big for him type of situation, right? He he was uh, he had four picks in the first half. Not all of them were his fault, but definitely making some careless mistakes. And then you know there was a point in the game in, in the first half where he only had four completions and four turnovers, so it wasn't. It wasn't good at all. They were down 27 to zero at one point, and it, it just seemed like they were kind of lost. So, uh, but then the second half, Trevor Lawrence, you know, completely turned into a different quarterback. You know, he went from 10 for 24, 77 yards, one touchdown to four interceptions, and a 24 passer rating to 18 for 23, 211 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and 144 passer rating. So, completely different quarterback. Definitely made those second half adjustments. Uh, but you could also say that the Chargers' lack of adjustments themselves caused them that game. And Brandon Staley, I mean, when you have negative three rushing yards in the second half, I mean, that's just not a winning formula. And the Jaguars, credit to them for not giving up and and really just trusting themselves and completing the third largest comeback in NFL history. So, Preston, what what's kind of your biggest takeaways? Obviously, we're gonna you're gonna look back at that game and and think, man, how did we lose it? But 
Uh, I think more the blame is uh, more than anything is Brandon Staley. I hate this narrative that Trevor Lawrence made this glorious comeback and won this game for the get the fuck out of here. Trevor Lawrence didn't win shit. The Chargers straight up lost that game. Straight up. Trevor Lawrence wasn't even playing bad necessarily in the first half. That's just how good the Chargers defense can be. That's how talented that defense is. That secondary, you saw what they did to Miami with all backups. Now you add Derwin James, you add Joey Bosa back, Khalil Mack playing. That's what you get. That's what you could have gotten all season. But they aren't being led properly. As a coach, you don't necessarily make adjustments, so to speak. Your job is to manage the team's emotions. He clearly didn't manage their emotions throughout this game and leading up to this game. Maybe he did leading up to this game, but there's been multiple times this year where they have come out and played great in the beginning of games and then only scored like three points in the second half, just like they did that game. How do you score 27 points in the first half and only three points in the second half? No, no. That That is mental. That is you coming out and playing well in the beginning of the game and then the second half, you're just, I, I don't know, you you just relax a little bit, I guess. Why the fuck are we relaxing? What is there to relax about? Job's not finished. Okay, you want to coach aggressiveness, this, that, and the other, go for it on fourth down, all that. Set that as the the culture to kind of, you know, change everything, so to speak. You you want that to be the culture. You can't take your foot off the gas. That that is gambling. That is gambling. That is not a winning formula. There's a reason why Vegas is up on all the gamblers. It's because you don't win money by gambling. You win money by making the other people gamble. The people you're playing against gamble. Staley gambled. He gambled in the first half by, you know, playing the way they were playing. And you saw in the second half, Jaguars are able to light it up. I mean... Shoot, like Trevor Lawrence was throwing to wide open receivers on just terrible defensive play calls. And guess who was calling the plays that game? Guess who was calling the plays that game, Eric? The defensive play calls, Brandon Staley. So, yep. If he's not gone, I might resign as a Chargers fan because I know what's going to happen. We're going to end up losing Herbert to free agency. And um, and at that point, I will definitely be resigning as a Chargers fan. So fire him, get Sean Payton. If you do that, guaranteed a Super Bowl. Guaranteed. At I'm least hearing like the Spanos family, they're, they're not going to write the check for him. Oh, what's new? What's new? Right. <laughs> Preston, I wanted to ask you, uh, so you guys obviously just fired your offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi. Um, after that game, does that worry you a little bit in the sense that maybe they're trying to find any way to blame this game, not on Staley? Yes. And Joe Lombardi's a good offensive coordinator. I just think the emotions of the team weren't handled properly. Um, because like, it wasn't that play calling was necessarily bad. It was execution. 
execution. Um, obviously, they could get a little bit more creative dialing up different type of runs. You've got a bunch of different weapons you can use when they're not injured. Mike Williams injured, by the way. Like you could you could be so much more creative with Eckler. Like you could literally use him like a Debo Samuel. Um, and then run with Joshua Kelly. Like Kelly's a stud. I mean, he he doesn't get enough touches, he doesn't get enough opportunities. Um, you know, Keenan Allen, I'm fine with just keeping him as, you know, your prime wide out third down guy, but you gotta keep Mike Williams hap uh healthy and you know, we got to add somebody, another receiver in the draft. Got to add another receiver in the draft. O-line finally got pretty healthy, but they, they just didn't show The O-line just didn't show up in the second half. Last thing I want to ask you for this game, and then we'll move on to Gledhill's thoughts. Uh, Preston, when there's five minutes to go in the game and Jaguars are trying to lead a game uh, winning drive and you see that miss false start, and Joey Bosa's frustration, throwing his helmet, and the unsportsmanlike conduct. Obviously, you could say that changed the outcome of the game because that was huge. If you were in Joey Bosa's position, you would pro- you would probably do the same thing. Obviously, oh, like, Bosa was getting he. There was a holding call on that play too. He didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't. He was getting held all night. Yeah, all night. Um. So the refs definitely aided in that comeback because the defense wasn't able to make the plays that they would have made because of certain calls by the refs, game-changing, no calls. Um, But that's no excuse because the offense needed to handle business. And, you know, the defense shouldn't have given up the amount of big plays that they did in that second half either. So you eliminate the big plays in the second half and you just get a couple more first downs on offense and we're not having this conversation. Yeah. All right, well, we'll move on to Gledhill. Gledhill, obviously, uh, Jaguars uh, had the third largest comeback in postseason history. The last one to happen was in 2013 when the Colts, Andrew Luck, came back against the Chiefs. And then uh, the other one was the Bills over the Oilers in 1992. What are your thoughts on that game? Did you see more of uh, you know the biggest choke job and, and Brandon Staley kind of letting the team down or more of, or more of good Jacksonville? What did, what did you kind of see there? Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I didn't watch most of the second half, but it just, it just, the, the Jaguars are definitely a young, fiery team. I knew they weren't going to go quietly, um, but to overcome something like that, like I, like I, I agree with Preston. That that's mental on the side of the Chargers. That that just you, you think the message to the coaches, you know, from the coaches would be just continue, stay the playing. course, stay yeah. the course. That's always right. the message. But. Uh, I, I don't know what happened. I, I mean, I don't. I don't know what. I mean, that, that's that's tough. I can't. I mean, I don't. I can't explain personally like what could have happened there. Um, but man, that's yeah. But I, I agree. I don't. I, I don't think we should put all this on Trevor Lawrence making some miraculous comeback. I think he was he was really good in the second half. Props to him for you're you're at home. All this pressure on you to start. You start off like. Yeah, maybe like one of the, one or two of those picks weren't necessarily his fault, but things were clearly not going his way, clearly not going the Chargers' offense way. But for him to to be able to kind of to just step back and and not give in, not give up, and and be able to come back in the second half and just he played well. I I, I don't think all the credit should go to him, but he played well in that second half, and and is is a, is one of the bigger reasons why his team was able to pull that off. So so props to him for for not you know, giving up and, and um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay. My turn. 
How? How? Literally, how? You're, uh, <laughs> you turn the ball over five times and you take little to no advantage of that, first of all, and you score three points and you have negative three rushing yards in the second half. I saw what I needed to see from Brandon Staley as a coach the past two weeks. Now, Preston, you watch more Chargers games than I do, so you could have saw this coming way earlier. Yes, look, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of him going for it on fourth down a lot. I mean, I think that was his biggest flaw, but it wouldn't be fair for me to say that like he needed to be fired for just being too much of a risk taker. Uh, now, obviously, the narratives going into this game was if he lost this game to the Jaguars, no matter how it would happen, he needed to be fired. Uh, which I think is fair, right? Because you have so much talent on that roster and there's no reason you should be losing in the first round with that talent. But now after watching the past two weeks, he's got to be out of there. Like You can't tell me he should still be the head coach of the Chargers at this point. What he did to Mike Williams just kind of solidified it for me. And then this was just the icing on the cake, bro. Like This solidified it to me. Mike Williams, if you guys don't know, Mike Williams did not play in this game. And it was apparently going to be like a home run that he was going to come back at all. Like it would have had to been like possibly even the Super Bowl. They would have had to make the Super Bowl for him to come back. And the reason that they were in that position is because Brandon Staley was too much of a bozo to not take him out late in that game against the Broncos in week 18. When they already clinched the fifth seed, they had nothing to play for. And Brandon Staley kept Mike Williams in the game. And guess what happened? He got hurt. He got hurt. And it caused him to be injured for the playoffs. And they lost by a point. They lost by a point. You're telling me if Mike Williams was playing in that game, they wouldn't have won? You got to look at that stuff. It was inexcusable. It was childish. And it solidified... My reasoning and my opinion that Brandon Staley has no business coaching this team. Look, I will say this about him. He's a great defensive-minded coach. That's why they brought him on there. And you could see the improvements on the defense, especially in the latter half of the season. But what he did the past two weeks to this team is inexcusable. And Mike Williams had no business being in that game in Week 18. And he should have been on the field. And the Chargers should be advancing to the division round playing in Kansas City in a game which they had a potential to upset the Chiefs because, like we talk about all the time, it is so hard to beat a division rival three times in a row. And Preston was even talking about this two weeks ago that he wanted to play the Chiefs because he knows that they could win that game and they definitely could have won that game. It's just a missed opportunity and it's inexcusable. And if whatever thoughts I had on Brandon Staley two weeks ago, it don't matter anymore because now it's it's officially solidified. He needs to be fired. And though these last two weeks told you that. That's all I wanted to say about that game. Gladhill, did you want to say anything else? Yeah, the, the the feel I get about Brandon Staley is he I think he I think schematically he can coach, but he feels kind of more like a coordinator to me. Like he's kind of he feels more like the side guy, but it does I don't get the impression that he's ready to lead a locker room and ready to make like big personnel decisions. And it's really, it's interesting. I don't know, like, I don't really get the impression that the guys in that locker room, like really 
respect this man as as the head coach because he's not this you know he's not a raw raw guy like Dan Campbell. He's he's but schematically, I think he could be really good. Um, it's interesting when when Joey Bosa threw his helmet down, he picks it up, hands it back to him, and immediately throws it down again. Like that's kind of a I, I feel like right there, that's that's a bad sign right there. Like if Bill Belichick hands you your helmet back after you throw it to the ground, you're not throwing it to the ground again. So I don't know. Maybe that's just one instance, and I can't pick out you know other ones. But I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, Preston, did you have anything else to add, or did you say what you needed to say? I said what I needed to say. I'm done with this. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, well, we'll we'll go back to recapping uh, the other games from Wild Card Weekend. But let's go ahead, since we're on the topic of the Jaguars, let's go ahead and move into their game that they have coming up on Saturday against the Kansas City Chiefs. Preston, what is the spread in this game? Kansas City is favored by eight and a half. Okay, and is that the biggest spread of the weekend? Hmm. Yes. Okay, that's what I figured. Uh, okay, so these two teams did play. Uh, oh, it just moved to nine. Oh, it just moved, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, these two teams did play earlier in the season, and it was actually in Arrowhead. Uh, I'm trying to look at the box score of that game, but as I'm pulling it up, it's a big spread, and the Jaguars are going to have their hands filled uh, just because you know they're coming off a very emotional win. And sometimes when you come off of an emotional win like that, sometimes it doesn't always end well the next week. Like you could either, you know, have like a little bit of a stinker or, you know, you maybe get too overconfident. I've seen it happen plenty of times uh, when when you have an emotional win like that. Like it happened in the the Vikings game. Uh, You know, the Vikings had an emotional win over the Bills, a game that the Bills probably should have won, but crazy good game. You know, OT came down to the very end. Vikings won it. And then the next week they go home uh, and they're playing a Dallas team that loses a heartbreaker to the Green Bay Packers. And you're thinking, oh, Vikings, you know, how, you know, how are they not favored in this game? You know, they just beat arguably the best team in the AFC. Like this is like the Vikings are going to beat the Cowboys. And then the Cowboys go in there and they throttle them 40 to three. So sometimes when you have emotional wins like that, it, it can lead to bad outcomes. Uh, so watch out. Uh, for the the Chiefs actually end up covering in this game just because of that reason, uh, and, and and you know it's moving to nine, so I you know Vegas definitely knows something. I don't think it's disrespectful. I think the Jaguars being in the divisional round, if you would have told me that you know about five six weeks ago, I would have said no way, right? Uh, but they caught fire at the end of the season and they got hot uh, when it mattered the most. And Doug Peterson deserves Coach of the Year, you know, recognition. I don't think he's deserves it over Brian Dable, but I think he's definitely up there in the conversation. And these two teams both played on, on November 13th. It was week 10. The Chiefs won 27 to 17. So they won by double digits in Arrowhead. Looking to see if, if the Jaguars can make this game more competitive than the first time. But it's going to be hard. And they're going to have their hands filled. So I'll go ahead and get this one out of the way. I'm going to take the Chiefs. And I think they're going to cover the nine-point spread. I think they're going to cover again, just like they covered in that first matchup. Obviously, the environment and the atmosphere we're going to play in is one of, if not the best in the NFL. I mean, I can't imagine it'll be much louder than our fans were here on Saturday, honestly, but that was when we were on defense, not offense. So you, you, we played there earlier in the year, but this is a little bit different. You know, it's a playoff game, divisional round, um, so the stakes are higher, so I expect them to be even crazier, more packed stadium. You know that Arrowhead crowd is going to be loud and Honestly, I think he's going to make a lot of mistakes again. I, I really do. Uh, 
the moments seemed like it was getting a little big for him in that Chargers game. You know, credit to him that, you know, he stayed resilient and he didn't panic and he trusted his coach and they came back and won. But it was more bad Chargers in my opinion. And I think if Trevor Lawrence comes out the way he did in that game versus the Chargers, there's no way the Chiefs are going to let up and let that happen. Andy Reid is too good of a coach. Patrick Mahomes is too good of a quarterback. Uh, so I actually think that Trevor Lawrence is going to turn the ball over about two or three times. And I think the Chiefs are going to overwhelm them. So, you know, the Chiefs are having some rest. They got they had a first round bye. And honestly, this is a, this is a pretty big lock for me. I think the Chiefs win uh, comfortably and they win 30 to 20. So they win by double digits. Gledhill, who do you got? Yeah, I think I have to agree with you here. Um, I think I think throughout Trevor Lawrence's career, we've seen him struggle a little bit in big games. Um, going back to his college days, made a lot of mistakes in that. Um, not only, I mean, he saw some flashes in that Ohio State Clemson game where he was he was great, but there were also some moments where he, he made some bad mistakes. And then that LSU game against Joe Burrow. Uh, I mean, nobody was stopping that team, but uh, made some big mistakes there. Made you know missed some key throws throughout that game. I think he's still going through his growing pains. I mean, Peyton Manning really struggled in the playoffs early in his career. And, you know, so do a lot of quarterbacks. So, and I don't think, I don't think Trevor Lawrence has the supporting cast of like a Brock Purdy, or I think he has a pretty good supporting cast, but I think that old line needs to get a little bit better. Um, yeah, I could see the, the crowd in Arrowhead. They, they know Trevor Lawrence is a young quarterback. They know that if they make noise that, you know, they could potentially get in his head and, and, um, may aid in him making some mistakes. And, and I agree with you. I think that's going to happen. Um, I think the Chiefs will, will get up early, and I don't think they're going to make the same mistakes that the Chargers made last week. So uh, I like the Chiefs here, but, but great run by the Jaguars. I think you definitely have the coach right. You appear to have the quarterback right as well. Bright future in Jacksonville. Like Not a lot of teams in this league can say, yes, we have the right head coach and we have the right quarterback. So there might be like seven or eight. I'm, I'm leaning toward Cowboys now have both. Um, I think we were, we were uncertain about Mike McCarthy earlier this year, but I think Mike McCarthy is deserving of a lot of respect right now. But anyways, Jaguars, they got the coach right, and they got the quarterback right. Bright future for them, but the Chiefs are going to win this one. And that's what we want, right? We want to see Mahomes in the AFC Championship again for, what would this be, the fifth straight year now? Yeah. Is that even Yeah, yeah fifth five? straight. That's, I mean, that, that, that's a Brady-like. Um, that I mean, the Chiefs are, you know, maybe – I'd say there's a lot of pressure on the Bills because they haven't won one, but there's also a lot of pressure on the Chiefs because maybe in terms of like living up to the Patriots dynasty, I don't maybe maybe that's not even possible, but everyone's kind of anointing them as the next like team to beat in football. And there might be some pressure with that. But I think they'll get it done. Um I I like them to win thirty to sixteen. All right, Preston. Glenhill and I both have the Chiefs covering the spread. What you thinking here? Does Jacksonville have any chance to make this game competitive? What you what, what do you think? I hope Jacksonville gets absolutely annihilated in this game. <laughs> I hope they lose by 30. I hope Trevor Lawrence isn't able to play football for like two months because his ass is so sore from hitting the ground too many times. But Jacksonville will cover. Ooh. The Chiefs. I don't know if they, they're going to flip the switch since it's playoff time, but all regular season long, they've been a team that's kind of like, just chill, play the game until the fourth quarter, and then just put Mahomes in a position to go win the game for him. It's like 
I don't know, just like a casual Sunday now nowadays for them. So I think Jacksonville will cover. Um, I'd like to see what Kansas City's record against the spread is this year because I don't think it's that good. Let me look it up. That's a good question. Yeah, they've been they've had some pretty close games. They're seven and ten against the spread this season. Wow. Damn. Yeah. So I was gonna <laughs> say they're probably under five hundred. Okay. Um, okay, so Jack or let's say Kansas City thirty to twenty four. Okay. All right. We all agree on that game. We'll see what happens. Uh, and that is the biggest spread of the week. Okay. So let's go ahead and recap the 49ers and the Seahawks game. This was the game that I didn't get. Like I said, I didn't get to watch uh, most of the second half because I was on an airplane coming back and then I had a bus ride back. So it was a long day. Uh, the 49ers did it again. Uh, 11 straight wins. And ever since they've had Christian McCaffrey, they have not lost a game and they just have so many playmakers. You know, I saw a thing where it was like with Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle, you have arguably top five yards after catch players at their respectable position. So Christian McCaffrey yards after catch running back, George Kittle yards after catch tight end and the Debo Samuel yards after catch receiver, which may be true. And you know, Brock Purdy in his first playoff career start, you know, I would say he did pretty good, right? Like you look at the stat sheet, 18 for 30, 332 yards, three touchdowns or rushing touchdowns, and they got the W, you know, great on the stat sheet. But when I was watching the game, I don't think he was like flawless by any stretch of the imagination. When I watched that game, I just saw a lot of he was doing his job. And that's all you need to do with Shanahan, right? Like we're not asking this man to be, you know, Patrick Mahomes. We're just asking this dude to buy in and, and work with the system. And so far, it's worked so well. He still hasn't been exposed yet. Now, in the Seahawks game early on, when I was watching it, there was a lot of opportunities where Brock Purdy, I kind of felt like he was feeling the nerves, right? Like there was open receivers he was missing. Uh, and it, it just kind of looked like he was a little nervous. But once he settled in, he went back to playing how he had been playing the past you know, six six games or so, uh, or however long he's he's been on this run. Obviously, he had a really good stat, uh, you know, look at the numbers, but I don't think I looked at his game and really said like, wow, like he he played phenomenal. I thought he did his job. I thought he played really good and he's going to have to play better this week because I think they're playing a much better team in the Cowboys. But for a first career start for mystery relevant himself, I thought he did really solid uh, in terms of Seattle. Hey, man, like they came in with a perfect game plan. They just, I mean, they just got outcoached and outplayed. That's, that was literally just the bottom line. They lost to the much better football team. And that's what's so scary about the 49ers is the 49ers maybe started a little shaky and the Seahawks were playing amazing, but they still ended up winning by multiple scores because they just have so many playmakers and, and they play 60 minutes of football and they just get overwhelmed. Like DK Metcalf had like 10 for 166 and two touchdowns. Like he played awesome. Kenneth Walker played great. Geno Smith played good. But it's just, there's there's always so much you can do. And what I saw in that first half of that game was really just the Seahawks not backing down and letting us know, hey, man, we lost to this team twice. We got embarrassed by this team twice. Let's go in there and give them everything we got. And if we lose, we lose. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, it's very hard to beat a division rival three times in a row. We're going to keep talking about that every week. <laughs> Because it's true. But the 49ers took care of business. And they are moving on to the divisional round to take on the Cowboys. 
Uh, Gledhill, uh, I'm, I'm sure you were kind of in the same position as me. Probably didn't get to watch, you know, all that game. But from from what you did see, what, what did you? What was your kind of takeaway on Brock Purdy and overall the game? I'm just I'm just fascinated by watching this man the rest of the playoffs. Um, I'm so excited to see this Dallas game this weekend. Not only because you know it's the Cowboys, but Brock Purdy another playoff start. I feel like at some point this man has to struggle. At some point, he's going to make a big mistake. Uh, I think one of the one of the big you know concerns about him coming out of college, and maybe one of the reasons why he slipped to the seventh round. Part of it, obviously, you play at Iowa State, you kind of go under the radar. Doesn't have a huge arm, isn't you know incredibly mobile. I mean, he's mobile, but not like you know Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields mobile, um, or maybe even Daniel Jones mobile too. You know, and he played a little, they're saying he played a little erratic in college, which just makes some really head-scratching throws at times. But He was in an erratic system in college. Yeah, and that might be a big part of it. Um, but he gets a great coach. I mean, we saw, we, we see this year what, what uh, Brian Dable is doing with Daniel Jones, just cleaning up a lot of the mistakes. He's not fumbling it as much, not throwing as many interceptions. We see what, you know, Josh Allen's doing without Brian Dable, kind of the opposite. Now he has, you know, 32 interceptions plus fumbles is leading the league in interceptions plus fumbles and Brock Purdy now in a good system with really good pieces around him. Um, clearly he's talented. He was a pretty darn good college quarterback and Iowa state won a lot of games with him, you know, four year starter there. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's made some, made some really big plays this year. Um, the, the play I was maybe most impressed with with him was he kind of rolled out, avoid the rush, you know, bought himself some time. This is maybe on the 15, 20 yard line. And he's kind of looking at some guys in the back of the end zone. And he finds Brandon Ayuk in the corner of the end zone. And Ayuk, he throws it like, just weaves it in there between a couple of defenders. Perfectly placed football. And Ayuk drops it. It was a tough catch to make anyways. So not, not a huge deal there. But uh, I saw that. I was like, man, this guy's got a lot of talent. Definitely more talented than Jimmy Garoppolo. And, I, and then I thought about it, and I thought, man, if this were Trey Lance doing what Brock Purdy is right now, like what, what would we be saying? I feel like if this were Trey Lance out here playing like this, and it hasn't been perfect, but if, we, if this were Trey Lance, I think a lot of people would be anointing him as like the next star. Like he's the next, he's the next one up. He's, oh, he'd, be, next one. he'd be a franchise quarterback, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And, and people would be saying he's the next like – He's going to be in that conversation with, you know, Allen and Herbert and, you know, maybe not Mahomes. We know he's on another level, but kind of in that, you know, Herbert, Allen, Jalen Hurts, you know, Dak, kind of that, you know, upper tier conversation of like, this guy is one of the next ones. But, you know, because he's, you know, Brock's the seventh round pick, you know, I think we just assume that he's going to struggle at some point because, oh, like he, he fell in the seventh round. So it's going to be interesting to see. I have no idea what's going to happen with him. I mean, I think they'd stick with him, but if he has a, like a plays horribly for some reason, you know, maybe they won't. So I feel like they'd be out on Tom Brady now, though, which which is interesting. I I I think at this point, I don't I don't think you get an older Tom Tom Brady. I think you you rock with one of the guys you have already. Um, but who knows? Um, You're gonna rock with Brock. Yeah, for now at least. I, I until he gives me a reason to not play him. Yeah, I'd say so. 
Yeah, I can't give my full opinion on him until the playoffs are done. I told you that, Gledhill. Uh, but what I've at least seen so far from him is he. I think he 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 might be that guy moving forward, and 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 we'll have to see. But uh, yeah, all he's got to do is keep playing the way he's playing. And if they win the Super Bowl, there's no doubt about it. Uh, and they're going to be a tough team to beat. Preston, I'm going to get your thoughts on that game because you know the 49ers are a team that you've been high on. You know, dating back to our preseason rankings, right? Like our preseason video, you you said that this was going to be the team to go to the Super Bowl again, and this was going to be the team to win the NFC West. Uh, and, and, you know, you didn't like the Rams coming in as, you know, the Super Bowl defending champs, and you liked the 49ers. You stuck with that. And that was even with Trey Lance, too, before, you know, assuming he was going to be the guy um, and everything. So just kind of talk about that. Obviously, they turned out to be the team that you you thought they were. Yeah, and I said at the beginning of the year, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's with Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I really liked that team, and I felt like they this was the year they were going to figure out how to be healthy because the previous two years, it was just injuries, man. It was just injuries, and I think they figured out the changes they needed to make from the coaching and the trading staff in order to keep their players healthy throughout the season um, and keep them out of uh, shitty situations. You know, it's been real impressive and they've honestly surpassed my expectations. Now, I never would have expected Brock Purdy to come in, but shoot, Brock Purdy doing his thing. And alluding to that play that Gledhill was talking about too, I mean, I was watching that play with my dad and I was just like, damn, like he could really be the guy. I think for him, he's still developing his confidence. And that's a good thing because you don't want him overconfident because that's when rookies start to make their mistakes and that's when they go through their growing pains and things like that so i think next season we'll we'll probably see a bit of that he'll probably come out early in the season and and make some mistakes and he's gonna have to humble himself and and you know make the necessary adjustments and be strong enough in order to do that and it's if he's able to do that then i think he's going to be in this league for a really long time so i'm super impressed with what i've seen from him I think it's more than just the system. I think he's actually been playing well. You've seen him just make a couple of highlight flashy plays where you can see the potential. And I think he just needs to have a couple of those plays a game in order for the uh, the 49ers to be Super Bowl champions this year. Yeah, and he's kind of just playing with like no pressure, right? Like he just has that swagger behind him. Uh, and you can tell late in that game, he just like he was feeling himself, man. Like, uh, and And he brings the energy too. It's not like, like seeing a third string quarterback come in and play that good and then just getting hyped and like screaming at the top of his lungs, like pumping his chest, like like there's no pressure on this kid, right? Like he's he's just out there having fun. Reminds me of the year Kaepernick took over for Alex Smith a little bit and led the 49ers to the Super Bowl. Obviously completely different players, but you can feel that same kind of energy, especially if he has a breakout like an insane game against the Cowboys this week, kind of like how Kaepernick did against the Packers when he ran for like 200 yards or something like that. Right. Like that's the energy is going to be insane. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, obviously that would mean we should probably go into the Cowboys Niners game, but we, we need to save that game for last, uh, obviously. And it is the last game of the, uh, the divisional round. So let's go ahead and, and keep going through some of these recap games. Let's start. Let's, let's move on to the, uh, the game that happened Sunday it was the first game on Sunday. Dolphins and Bills. What a crazy game, right? Like that. You're looking at 34 to 31. And I I don't know if it was I don't know if it was uh you, Preston, or Gletto, or maybe it was one of my other friends that said 
all three of the Bills and Dolphins games this year had been decided by two or less or three or less points. I can't remember who's who told me that, but that's insane, right? Like you, you're dating back to that week two game where it kind of seemed like the Dolphins maybe escaped Buffalo and then they played again in the snow in Buffalo and, and Tua and the boys still balled out and the Bills barely won that game. And then you're going into this game and you're thinking no shot with Skylar Thompson and Tua being out. Like th- there's no way Miami is going to win this game. Like they're going to get like 20, 30 piece. And again, it's just like those divisional gains, man. They're just, you never know with some of them. And there was a point where I really thought, holy crap, like the Dolphins are going to win this game. Like this is crazy. The Dolphins are going to win this game. Uh, but Josh Allen made the biggest play of the game. Third and one, up by three, seven minutes to go. Throws an absolute dart to Khalil Shakir, the rookie. And he snags it. Absolutely snagged it. It was an amazing play. It was the biggest play of the game. And when I look at this Bills team, I don't want to say that they're like not a Super Bowl team because I definitely think they can win the Super Bowl and they definitely have a chip on their shoulder with DeMar Hamlin. But I just look at this team and honestly, I, I don't get on to me, but I, I just think this Bills team is very overrated. Uh, I, I would trust the Chiefs and the Bengals right now moving forward over the Bills. The Bills kind of remind me of the Cowboys in a way. When the Cowboys are on, they're very hard to beat. And we saw that in the Tampa Bay game this week. You know, they, the Cowboys were on and, and they weren't going to let Tampa Bay even have a chance in that game. Uh, and and the Bills too, like when the Bills are on, they can beat you by 30 points. And Josh Allen can just, us always talk about, they have that knockout punch. You know, the Cowherd always makes that uh, comparison every time, that analogy, which is true. But they're not consistent for me. And going into that game, I didn't think the Dolphins really had that much of a chance because I, I saw a thing where it was like the Dolphins have only had only forced two turnovers on the road this whole season and 14 overall. That's not very good. And Miami doesn't have a good defense. So the fact that all that and they were still able to force Josh Allen to fumble and throw picks and stay in that game, it kind of concerns me. Like, for all I know, what the hell I know, right? Maybe the Bills just had like one of those stinker, like close games that they always have. And for all I know, they go in and they play their best game of their life against Cincinnati and they win, you know, big. That could happen. Or the same struggles could happen. The same inconsistencies could happen. The mistakes, the turnovers, the Josh Allen trying to go too much for the kill instead of kind of moving the ball and the Bengals win. But Watching that game, I am a little concerned. I don't I don't know how you how as a Bill even as a Bills fan, I don't know how you watch that game and aren't a little bit concerned about that game. Like a little bit concerned about the Bills moving forward. The Bengals are rolling right now. And you could say, yes, well, the Bills didn't look good against the Dolphins, but did the Bengals look good against the Ravens? Okay, that's a fair comparison. But in my opinion, I think the Ravens defense is so much better than the Bills defense. And you look at how good the Ravens defense has been playing since they added Roquan Smith. They've been one of the best defenses in the league. It's just been the offense that's been incompetent. And watching that game in Cincinnati this past weekend, if they had Lamar Jackson, they probably would have won the game. So the Ravens are no joke, right? Especially defensively. So I'm a little concerned with Buffalo. That's my biggest takeaway from that game is they, they won the Dolphins game, which they were supposed to. But I am a little bit concerned moving forward. And 
I'm just glad they were able to to get away with with the win there because I think it's better for the league that we have Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Kansas City all three in the divisional round. If the Dolphins would have won that game, they would have automatically went to Kansas City and that they they would have no shot of winning that game. So I think Bills and Bengals second round is is definitely uh, worthy of a matchup over Dolphins and and Chiefs second round. Thank goodness the Bills were able to pull that out. Uh, Preston. You know, biggest takeaway of that game. Are you are you at all concerned about the Bills after seeing how they played, or do you think it was just one of those divisional games? Yeah, I'm concerned with them turning the ball over, especially against this Bengals defense. But I'd say I have more concerns with Cincinnati with their offensive line. You know, dealing with, you know, three injuries on the offensive line, that was the biggest thing at the beginning of the season, why they were struggling is, you know, they – brought in all these new players, completely rebuilt that offensive line for Joe Burrow. And you were hating, Eric. You were a big Bengals hater at the beginning of the year. And I was like, no, bro. No, just wait. They just, that offensive line just needs to gel. And look, look at me now, though. I'm, I'm all, I'm all in now. I'm all in now. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think without that O-line, you saw what that team can look like if that O-line isn't clicking. So if they aren't able to fix that up a bit, um, and, and clean up some of those issues and get those backups to play really well against Buffalo, then I think we're going to see some issues. And I think this could be a low scoring game, um, especially if Cincinnati or if Cincinnati forces some turnovers on Buffalo, which I think they'll, they'll force at least two. Um, you just got to hope if you're Buffalo, honestly, if you're Buffalo, you, you don't turn, you got to try not to turn the ball over. Um, but if you do turn the ball over, you got to hope they don't turn into points like they, they did with Miami. Yeah. And before we get on to that game, Gladhill, I wanted to get your thoughts. Dolphins, Bills, are you at all concerned with the Bills moving into this game? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I kind of said it earlier, like like the more and more Josh Allen is removed from Brian Dayball, the more mistakes he seems to make. And I mean, I heard I heard earlier today, uh, or read earlier today that um, 32 interceptions plus fumbles, which is the highest of any quarterback in the league this year. Um, and that's pretty concerning. And, and in the playoffs, every week it's, it's tougher than the one before. I don't think the Bills' defense is that bad. I'm not concerned about their defense really at all. I just think when you have those turnovers, I think I think it's going to put your defense in a little bit of a tough spot. Um, I think Skylar Thompson there for the Dolphins, I think he did his job. I think he played about as well as anybody expected him to. It wasn't a great performance by any means, but it wasn't terrible either. Um you know, props to the Dolphins for being in that till the very end, but um, yeah, I'm a little concerned about this Bills team. I just uh, I don't think there's one thing that I look at with them like okay, they they do that incredibly well, uh, or there, there's not one thing that you look at with this team like I know they're going to do that well today, or I'm very confident that they're going to do that well today. Um, I feel like it's either it's all there for them or it's not, and uh, you know. I think these players, though, it's possible that the coaches are very possible. The coaches are using all of this negative Bills talk on these players this year. Like, look what everyone's saying about you. And, and maybe this will be sort of like a Cowboys thing last week where this team just, just comes into this Bengals game just ready to rock and roll at home. And maybe they played the most complete game. Like, that's why this Bills-Bengals game is going to be really tough for me to predict is we really don't know like exactly which Bills team we're going to see. And we really don't know exactly what we're going to see from Josh Allen and, and these receivers because they could be on and, you know, good night Cincinnati, especially if, if they can get a pass rush on Joe Burrow with, with their depleted offensive line. 
If that happens, it's over for Cincinnati. But, you know, you got a couple turnovers and, you know, they, Cincinnati runs the ball. I mean, that could, it, it can totally go the other way too. So who knows? Uh, but yeah, no, there definitely are, there have to be some concerns with Buffalo and there have to be some concerns with, with Josh Allen and, and uh, him regressing this year, especially toward the end of the year. Still an amazing talent. I think he's, you know, but I, I, I think, I just think his nature is, and we saw it in, in the first playoff game he played in his career against the Texans, you know, that, that whatever the pitch back he made with, you know, less than a minute in the game and they, you know, the game's on the line and he, and he decides to pitch it. Um, I mean, he's just, he, he can be a reckless player sometimes. That's just, that's, that's too, there's a little bit of Brett Favre there. Um, and sometimes when you have an amazing arm, you know, there may be times where you try to force the ball because you think you can get away with it with how good your arm is. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. But um, like I was saying, there, there have to be some concerns here. Yeah, no, well said. Uh, okay, well, let's go ahead and move on into this game because this is a big one here. Uh, this is on Sunday, and I know I'm I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit because we still have a, another Saturday game to pick, but since we're on the topic, let's go ahead and get on into this. Uh, so we got the, uh, the Bengals and the Bills, the three versus the two seed. Preston, are you still here? What is the spread? Are you still here? There you are. Buffalo is favored by five in this game. Five? Holy whoa! Well, it was four and a half when we started the pod, and now it actually just moved to five and a half. Whoa! Am I missing something? This is, is the somebody... most interesting spread of the week for me, just because I, I feel like it should be close to a pick'em, but I don't Dude, know. Bengals O-line, bro. I'm telling Am you, I, Bengals no, O-line. That is true. That's very true. Okay, Preston, take it away. Who, who moves on to the AFC Championship? Hey. Dak going through the same thing or just went through the same thing that Josh Allen is going through. All the turnover talk, this, that, and the other. Josh Allen's going to answer this week. Um, Bills go ahead and win this game 35-24. to 24. I think this is going to be the most surprising of the game for the week for some people. 35-24, wow. All right, Gladhill, what you got? I already kind of previewed it. I mean, I, I don't know who to pick. This is This is for sure – the toughest game of the week for me. Um, I this is this is the game I'm maybe most excited to see outside of maybe the Cowboys game, just because I don't know. I guess real quick I'll rank them. Okay, I'm gonna pick the Cowboys game first. I'm most excited to see that one. This one's second. I'm also really excited to see the Eagles Giants, Chiefs Jaguars. I could probably do without, but um, but anyways, this game go either way. I just you just don't know what you're going to see. I I mean, I think like Joe Burrow was sacked a lot in the postseason last year too. Like it's not like they were an amazing offensive line during their playoff run last year. They got better, but it was the worst offensive line probably in the AFC playoffs last year, or at least amongst the top teams that were going to be competing for a Super Bowl spot. And they still found a way to get it done. So I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on them being able to run the football. There's going to be a lot of pressure on them playing really good defense and forcing some turnovers. And at the end of the day, Joe Burrow is going to have to make some big plays despite that. His receivers are going to have to get some separation. And uh, this is where I'm going to differ from Preston. I think they're going to find a way. I have so much more confidence in Joe Burrow than I do Josh Allen. I get it. There's a lot of negative talk on Josh Allen. He might answer it, but he also might try to make, you know, make too many plays and try to do too much with the ball and, and maybe make some more mistakes early in the game. Um, but Joe Burrow, like 
I, I definitely, I, there's no way I picked, just looking back at last year, there's no way I picked the Bengals in that Chiefs game. I, I bet I'd probably pick the Titans too to beat them in that divisional game last year. And every time Joe Burrow and this Bengals team, they keep finding a way to win. And the reason I would take Joe Burrow over Josh Allen is not because he has a better arm or is even more mobile, but because I think Joe Burrow knows that he has some limitations with his arm and some limitations mobily. So he's a very smart player. And I, I'll just say I have so much more confidence in Joe Burrow. And I think the Bengals are going to find a way. I, I'm not saying they're going to beat the Chiefs in the, in the AFC Championship. I think they would probably be at a big disadvantage just because at some point, you know, the, these struggle, these O-line struggles are really going to get to them. But I'm taking up to beat the Bills here. I think it's going to be a close game, though. Uh, I like 35-32. I think we'll see some scoring. But uh, I think Bengals defense has a couple turnovers and – Joe Burrow makes it happen somehow. They find a way. Is Joe Burrow the next Derek Carr for you, bro? You breaking up with Derek Carr and you're you're <laughs> No, I mean, like I, I know I know where they are in the pecking order. I think Joe Burrow is the second best quarterback in football. And I think Derek Carr is a top for sure a top half starter in football. And I'd like to see him with, you know, a team like the Dolphins or a team like I don't know. I, I guess the Jets wouldn't be a good fit, everybody's saying, but um, I don't. Know, I'd, I'd like to see him in Miami. That'd be pretty cool. But no, I know. I know where those guys are at in pecking order. Like I'm. I like Derek Carr, but I, I'm also kind of realistic with him. Oh man. Okay, it's my turn. <laughs> okay, so you know me being a big, uh, being a big like guy who likes staying with the media and like you know reading everything on Twitter. I like going on Twitter and seeing what people have to say. And I get, I, you know, that's not a good idea because people say, oh, stay off Twitter, you know, just a bunch of trolls. And I get it. I understand. But I, I saw something on Twitter that I found very interesting. And this was a question asked by some random account. It wasn't like a, a person, like just like a random person account. It was like an actual like sports page account that was like uh, it had like a, a, a blue check. I don't think it was paid, though. It was like a pretty, pretty big sports page. And they replied to the Buffalo Bills final score game on beating the Dolphins. And it said on the Buffalo Bills page, Bills fans, did today's game make you confident that you can win a playoff game even when you're not playing your best or make you nervous about next week's matchup, given how close you were to losing to a third string QB? And the answer choices were, Confident, nervous, just happy to advance. 7% said confident, 62% said nervous, and 31% said just happy to advance. So there's a little bit of concern from not just me, not just Glad Hill, but even Bills fans. And Preston, I really like what you said about you could see a scenario where because all the criticism Josh Allen's getting now, this could be like a Dak Prescott situation where he just comes out and he shuts everybody up, right? And he balls out. I could see that happening. And honestly, like when I look at the Bills and the Cowboys, I see uh, I see a lot of similarities. I just see like a team that, you know, is very inconsistent, but when they when they're on, man, they are tough to beat and they can beat anybody. But you just don't know which team you're going to get. You don't know which team you're going to get. So if the Bills want to win this game, Josh Allen can't turn the ball over more than two times. Like, that's just facts. Like, he's going to have to play like Dak played against the Buccaneers. He's going to have to be flawless because 
as concerning as this Bengals O-line has been, they still have Joe Burrow, right? They still got Jamar Chase. They still got T. Higgins, and they still got Joe Mixon. And they right. still have a very underrated defense. They didn't have an O-line last, uh, last Super Bowl. Yes. And Gladhill was saying that uh, at this moment that Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Josh Allen. What is my thoughts on that? I'd probably agree, but only one way to find out, right? Only one way to find out who wins this game. Only other thing I got to add, give me Gabe over T. Gabe Davis? Big game Gabe, baby. Uh, over T Higgins, you're tripping, bro. You tripping. I'd take him over Tyler Boyd. But I wouldn't take him over T Higgins. That's a little too far. Uh, but this game is going to decide. Because I texted Gledhill earlier in the week and I said, by the end of the season, I'll be able to confidently say that Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Josh Allen. So there's only one way to find out. Whoever wins this game is number two for me in the league because Mahomes is in his own league. So this game will decide for me who is the better quarterback, who is going to elevate their team to the AFC championship. If Joe Burrow does it two years in a row, and hell, if they go to the Super Bowl, there's no question that Joe Burrow's a better quarterback. This is going to decide it. And who am I taking? Gledhill, you were spitting facts, bro. I'm going to agree with you. I got the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they're the hottest team in the AFC, and I wouldn't want to play them right now. I think the two best teams in the league right now at this particular moment are the 49ers and the Bengals. And yeah, we've seen it. And I think... If that unfortunate, scary situation didn't happen with DeMar Hamlin, the Bengals were going to win that game in Cincinnati. So what happens now? It's in Buffalo. Buffalo, you got to come out. You got to play almost flawlessly because the Bengals are going are not going to play like they did last week. I don't know about the Bills. I don't know how they're going to play. But all I know is that Josh Allen leads the league in total turnovers, including the playoffs. So he's going to have to limit it. Obviously, we know he's a reckless player with the football. Um... Uh, and I think he's going to show out. Like, I'm not, this is not going to be a blowout. I think Josh Allen and Joe Burrow, I think we're in a really classic showdown between these two, which we were robbed of a couple weeks ago, but it's going to happen this time. But hey, man, I think the Bengals are the hottest team in the AFC, and we're going to see a Bengals and Kansas City rematch. We're going to see it. It's going to happen. So give me it. Let's go. I got Cincinnati. What'd you say? I was gonna add. I was gonna add too. Like, there, there's no shame in the Bengals. Like that being a close game last week against the Ravens. The Ravens, incredibly tough defense. They really got after Joe Burrow. Um, I think that's the type of game where you just got to be happy getting out of there with a the win. It's a divisional game. You're playing them for the second week a row in a row. I think the Bengals even have to, even having to play the Ravens again because of the whole. You know, unfortunately. The unfortunate situation with DeMar Hamlin, I think the Bengals would have won that game and they would have been the number two seed and would have been able to host a game like this against Buffalo. Um, but the fact that they had to play the Ravens instead of like the Dolphins, I, I, I just, I think that I would think that was just an unfortunate turn of events for the Bengals, but they got through it. They escaped with a win. That's all you can ask for. Cause you know, like John Harbaugh is a great coach and, uh, you know, the Ravens were going to make that game close. I, I don't think, I think everybody was saying, bet the Ravens to cover the nine and a half, 10 point spread. Yeah. And also, I think in this game, I think all the pressure's on the Bengals, or not the Bengals, sorry, the Bills. The Bengals are kind of playing with house money in a way because everybody knows about their O line injuries. 
they already made the Super Bowl last year, kind of ahead of schedule a year ago. Um, I think the Bills, you know, you had a good chance last year. You know, probably should have won that game in Kansas City. And then who knows what happens. You know, you host the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. Who knows what will happen there. But uh, Bills Mafia is getting hungry. They want to see, like, this team at some point has got to make a Super Bowl run. And everybody's kind of starting to question that going into this game. So I think there's so much pressure on the Bills. And who knows how they're going to play. Yeah, and one more thing I did want to say about this uh, this game is, you know, obviously these two teams didn't play last year, and uh, Cincinnati went into Kansas City and they beat them to go to the Super Bowl. I I don't think Cincinnati would have went into Buffalo and won that game last year. Right, uh, the Bills would have won that game, but this year's a little bit different. So I think it's like it's almost like it's 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 like inevitable that we were going to see this matchup at some point. Like we've already seen chiefs and bills so many times we've already seen Bengals and chiefs now three times. Like now it's time to see Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen for real this time. And, and honestly, like outside of the Cowboys, like if the Cowboys weren't my team, uh, this would be my most anticipated matchup of the week. Uh, so yeah, uh, I didn't say a score. I'm going to say 34 to 31 Bengals get it done. It's going to be a barn burner. I'm so excited for this game and yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. Let's go ahead and move on into the the Saturday. We'll go back to the Saturday game. This, the night game, we got the New York Giants going on the road to play the Philadelphia Eagles. Six seed versus one seed. Of course, the Eagles had the bye. And man, like this is kind of another situation, kind of like the Ravens and the Bengals because they played each other like really close to each other. And you know that third time is going to be really hard for the Eagles to beat them a third time. You know, the first time they killed them in the Meadowlands. Uh, second time, Jalen Hurts was his first game back. He didn't look all that great. Uh, and and the Giants were starting Davis Webb at quarterback, and they didn't even have Saquon playing that game. They rested that game. There were 14-point underdogs, and the Eagles barely squeaked it out and didn't look all that good. And that was with the Giants having Davis Webb out there. This time, the Giants are ha- are riding hot right now, and they have everyone back. So, like, you can't look at those previous two matchups and base your opinion off that, right? Like, because it's completely, it's a completely different game now. In that first game where the Meadowlands, where the Eagles blew them out, I think it was like 42 or it was like, yeah, it was like 45 to 21 or something like that. It was a blowout. There was no Adoree Jackson, no Xavier McKinney, no Leonard Williams, no Jared Davis, no Landon Collins. None of those guys played in the first game versus Philly. So it's not the same Giants team. It's a completely different Giants team going against this Eagles team in Philadelphia in which two weeks ago when they played, they squeaked it out. So, Preston, I think last time I checked, the spread was like seven points in favor of the Eagles. Has it moved at all? Uh, it is seven and a half now. That's big. That's big because I really, it's going to be really hard for the Eagles to cover this spread. I really do believe that um, because it's a completely different New York Giants team that we saw the first time that they played each other. You can't, like, there's no way you can look at that game. And base your opinion off that. Like, you got to go from what we've seen so far. And it's just crazy, man. The NFC East, the first division since 1997 to have three teams make the division around. It's awesome, man. We get a, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, I'm going to have my eyes locked to the screen Saturday night to watch this one. But before we get on into this, uh, you know, definitely got to give props to Daniel Jones. I mean, he had probably the best game of his career against the Vikings 300 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, 75 rushing yards. You know, he's the only player to ever do that. He, played phenomenal. And of course we can go through the logistics of that game in a little bit, but 
got to give him props. Gledho, I guess we'll start. We'll have you start this one. Do the Eagles get it done? And if they do, are you, are you do you like Giants covering? What are you thinking here? Yeah, this is another game I'm so excited to see. Um, another divisional battle. I don't. So obviously they played twice during the regular season. I know one of the times the Eagles blew them out. Did they blow them out the other time too? Did they blow them out twice this year? No, the second time was the last week of the season. Davis Webb, yeah. Yeah, Davis Webb, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, take nothing from that game. And Jalen Hurts was not, you know, pull out all the stops, Jalen Hurts. That was game manager Jalen Hurts just finish out the season. Uh, I think I think Wayne Martindale had a quote this week. He was like, that Jalen Hurts in week 18, like that didn't exist. Like they're not basing their game plan off of what they saw in week 18, um, which I think is probably uh, smart to do. But um, yeah, I mean, first of all, I think Daniel Jones, I heard someone say this, like Daniel Jones made about $50 million in that, <laughs> that game last week. Because he he just he showed like he is starting caliber in this. I, I think he's without a doubt one of the thirty-two best quarterbacks in this league. Um, now I think I think his two best games of the year were both against the Vikings and the Vikings' terrible defense. I mean, there were a couple drives in that game where it looked like flag football to me. Just like four or five plays, it looked like Georgia going down the field on TCU. Like there were a couple drives there where it just it looked so easy. I'm like, man, what, what, what am I watching here? Like this Giants offense, like a year ago with Joe Judge, they were calling a QB sneak on, on third and nine with Jake Fromm at quarterback to just punt the ball away and punt the season away and finish four and 13. And now they're just running it down the Vikings throat in the divisional round. And, and, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it's amazing what can happen in a year with a really good coach. Um, and Brian Dable really is, I mean, runaway coach of the year clearly um and i think you know what he did with josh allen um he's kind of doing with with daniel jones here now clearly daniel jones is not the same specimen (laughs) that josh allen is but daniel jones can, can make some throws and he can run it and i think with good coaching and a good run game and their offensive line's getting a little better you know evan neal and and uh and uh Forget the guy's name from Georgia, Andrew, um, Thomas. Andrew Thomas. Yeah, um, they you know they're getting a little better, and I really like their offense. And you know their pass rush has has been playing well too. Now now their secondary is you know a little weak, and I think I think teams can run the ball on them, which is why I think this might be a bad matchup here against the Eagles, arrested Eagles team. Um, but there is a little bit of a momentum factor with the Giants here where. If I'm the Eagles, I don't want to play him right now. Now you get to the divisional round, you don't want to play anybody because everybody at this level is pretty good once you get to this point. But, you know, that, that's that's why the Giants, I think, will hang around in this game. But, you know, I got a feeling that um, – because I look back at that game last week, the Eagles – or the, the Giants felt like they were in control the whole time. Like there was not a moment in that game where I felt like, yeah, the Vikings are going to take control and they're going to win this game. Like it felt like the Giants – had a handle on this thing the whole time. And I think you're playing a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. You're playing a, a you're playing a, a team with a much better run game. I think it'll be a little bit tougher, you know, and a better defense too. Let's face it. I don't think I think Daniel Jones is probably going to take a step back this week. And they're probably not going to be as effective in the run game because the Eagles kind of know what they have to do. If we slow down Saquon, you know, it might be it might be really tough for this offense to get going. Cause I, I don't I think this team 
I think they're still a rec- another receiver away, another tight end away from really being an elite offense. And uh, maybe another year of Daniel Jones in the system. So I'm going to take the Eagles in this game. I think the Eagles will run the ball well. I think they'll have some creative, um, creative you know, packages for for Jalen Hurts to run the ball. You know, it's another him, another week of him getting healthy. So I think I think the Eagles really benefited from this rest week, and they'll be ready to go at home. But I think the Giants, with their momentum, with their coaching, I think they'll make some plays on defense too. They'll keep it close, but I think the Eagles win. Let's go. Uh, 27-24. Uh, Eagles get the win, but the, the the Giants cover. I like it. Love it. Preston, you know, biggest takeaway from that Viking game. Uh, I don't – I mean, I didn't even get to talk to you last week about it. Did you Did you pick the Giants in that game, or, or were you, did you stick with Minnesota? Because I, I went perf- I went 6-0, and and that was upset of the week, and I had the Giants winning that game. Yeah, I had a feeling the Giants were going to take that game too just because – of the way the last time they played played out and also Vikings are just trending downward big time. So yeah, I had the giants in that game. Um, as far as this week goes, I'm going to keep it pretty short and sweet. I don't see the giants winning this game and you know, you guys might be surprised by my other pick later. I'm just going to, I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, Eagles go ahead and win this game 27 to 19. I think Giants settle for a lot of field goals. So you do like the Eagles covering? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so here's the deal. I, first of all, I want to give a lot of credit to the New York Giants and Brian Dable. I mean, the fact that this team is in the divisional round is honestly like crazy. And I, I know we shouldn't count the coach of the year and in the postseason, like that's a regular season award. Uh, but I think that just totally like proves that he's the coach of the year, right? The Giants were four and thirteen last season. They signed a total two free agents to a multi-year deal this offseason. One of them, which was a backup QB in Tyrod Taylor. The highest paid offensive player had six catches all season, which was Kenny Galladay. And yet they're headed to the divisional round. That's all Brian Dable. And he deserves all the credit in the world. He's the freaking coach of the century for that man. Like that's amazing. Uh and as much as I don't like the Giants, like the Giants are in my division, I will never root for the Giants. I do hate them the least in our division, and I can give credit where credit's due, like I always do on here. And it's it's really nice to see them, you know, be successful again because they they just been irrelevant for, for the past like 10 years. Ever since they went to the Super Bowl in 2012 and they won it, that I mean, ever since then they had been, you know, kind of the laughing stock of the NFC East. Uh, it was either them or the commanders and, you know, they had that one really good season where they had a really good defense. They swept the Cowboys, Dak and Zeke's rookie year, uh, lost to the Packers in the, in the wild card round. And of course that was the, the famous boat picture that they took. And that was the last time they were in the playoffs, but this time you can kind of see the culture shifting. Uh, and even though the giants started hot and kind of, you know, plateaued towards the end of the season, they, they caught fire when it mattered, and they made the postseason for the first time since 2016. And I loved them going into that Vikings game last week. I really did. Obviously, I picked the Jaguars to win. That's why I went undefeated last week. But I did not think that they were going to win that way. And I thought, like, once the Chargers were up big, I was like, oh, I mean, I got that game wrong. But this was a game I was 100% confident in, right? Like, I had a feeling that the Vikings were just – they just felt like a first-round exit kind of team. And 
you know, their defense was awful. They were 11 and 0 in one score games. They're now 11 and 1. Ed Donatel, their defense coordinator, they just fired. He just had not been good all year. So I was looking at the matchup that they had earlier. I was watching a little bit of film on that. And I was like, man, the, the Giants are going to win this game. And they did, man. Uh, you know, it was back and forth. And it kind of felt like whoever had the ball last was going to win. And, you know, there was a soft roughing the passer call on Kirk Cousins that I thought was maybe going to screw the Giants over in the end. But the better team ended up winning, which was good there. My only issue of that game was Kirk Cousins. I, I just couldn't believe that with the season on the line, on a fourth and eight, you throw an out route to TJ Hawkinson. That just solidifies the whole Minnesota Vikings season. Uh, that was ridiculous. But enough about the Vikings. The Giants earned this, and they definitely should be here. And they can definitely win this game versus Eagles, no doubt about it, because all those players that they didn't have in that first matchup they're going to be in here. So it's a completely different matchup. And then that week 18 game, like Leto was saying, you know, that was game manager Jalen Hurts first game back. They were just trying to win that game and, and, and clinch. They, you know, it wasn't, they were trying to like expose any film, but this game is a completely different game. And the Eagles, uh, something very impressive about the Eagles is that they're five and home five and zero oh in home divisional playoff games in team history. So they know how to win when it matters. And especially at home, so I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. I think the Eagles win, but the Giants definitely cover. So 24 to 21, I love the Giants covering, uh, but the Eagles are going to advance to the NFC Championship. Oh, and also Isaiah Hodgins. A lot of people don't even know who this guy is. He got cut by the Bills, got picked up from the Giants, and he was probably their best receiver in that game versus the Vikings. He's one of the big reasons that they're in this position. So Isaiah Hodgins, great job to you. Okay, let's move on. Into the last game, we got Dallas Cowboys, San Francisco 49ers, the classic NFC out of or out of division rival that we see. I mean, historically, when you look at these two teams, these are two of the best, like two of the best franchises ever in the NFC, right? You got five-time Super Bowl champions on both sides. You have the the Steve Young days, the Joe Montana days, the Michael Irvin, the Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, Larry Allen, Tony Dorsett. You know, lots of great legends and lots of great, great matchups, including a really good game last year in the playoffs in Dallas, which was absolutely phenomenal. So five seed versus two seed. Preston, last time I checked, 49ers were a four and a half point favorites. What is it? Is it still the same? 49ers are favored by three and a half. Okay, so it's moved a little bit. And of course, Preston... Uh, you have been starting some of these games, but I'm going to have to let you start it again because uh, Gledhill and I, of course, are going to talk the most about the Cowboys. So uh, we'll have you start this one. But first, any takeaways from that uh, Cowboys-Bucks game? Obviously, there was a lot of uh, criticism to Dak Prescott, and he went out there and probably had the best game of his career. That game showed me that the Cowboys actually have a chance this year. If they can keep that momentum rolling, three more games – they have a chance. That's what that game showed me. Um, 49ers, we know, we all know what they are. We know what they're capable of. But what we don't know is how Brock Purdy is going to do against the top five defense. Brock Purdy hasn't really been tested against a good defense yet. I don't think he's played a top 10 defense yet. He might not have even have played a top 15 defense yet. Dallas's defense is going to win this game for them. 
Yeah, you heard me. Dallas's oh, defense is going to wow. win this game for them. I think maybe the spotlight gets a little bit too big for Brock. I think this fairy tale, and I don't even want to call it a fairy tale because the 49ers are, are that good, but Brock Purdy is a rookie quarterback. I think it's going to end, and I've got Dallas winning this game. I think we're going to get the mat. I think the NFL wants an Eagles Cowboys NFC championship. And I think that's what we're going to get because we didn't get Jalen hurts versus Dak Prescott in the regular season. Not once, not once. I think that NFL is going to give it to us. I think they're going to give it to us on a silver platter. I think Cowboys defense stuns them. And I think Dak plays really well. I think Cowboys get out to a big lead early. And by the time Brock Purdy figures things out, it's going to be too late. Cowboys win this game 31 to 24. I'm shocked. I'm shocked because I know how high you've been on the 49ers this year. And I'm, I'm really shocked. Uh, I I'm just going to try to keep my emotions in right now because I have so much to say about this game, but I have to go last, of course. Uh, but go ahead. Before you go, Preston. So Let's just say that Cowboys do win this game, right? How do you how, how what are we going to say about Dak Prescott then, right? He has another really stellar game, two games in a row. He leads in the NFC Championship. How are we feeling? Like just I mean, we're still feeling like he's at his best. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the league, but we can never put him there because of how inconsistent he is. But do you think like the criticism he has been getting would like die down a little bit if he's able to win this game against the 49ers? The criticism for him is always up and down. It's always up and down. It's literally his career has been like this. <laughs> it's been like this. You know, you got Patrick Mahomes. It's kind of been like that. Patrick Mahomes really just been like this the whole time. <laughs> Josh Allen is a little bit wavy. You got Joe Burrow. You know, it's been, there's been little dips, but for the most part, Joe Burrow has been pretty consistent. Hey, this is Joe Burrow. Woo! <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and, you know, Dak, good enough to potentially win one Super Bowl in his career, um, especially with a roster this talented. Now, I think this is this will probably be his best shot in his entire career to win a Super Bowl, um, unless they're somehow able to add to this team next year. Um, I don't, I don't know. You guys know what the the roster situation is looking like, the money situation is looking like, and the the future offseason um, is looking like better than I do. But um, based on what I can tell, I think this has since his rookie season, this is their best chance. And I, I don't know if he'll ever get maybe unless they're able to add and, and do this again next year. I don't think they'll have a, a, a chance as good as this one, because I don't think they'll win a playoff game like they did last week and the way they did and have that much momentum going in the, into the divisional round like this uh, again in Dak Prescott's career. Yeah, well said. All right, Glenn Hill. First of all, crazy matchup. 49ers Cowboys, historically one of the best of all time. Uh, but got to ask you about the Bucks game. Uh, Cowboys were able to bounce back. Dak Prescott probably had the best game of his career 25 for 33, 305 yards, four touchdowns, a rushing touchdown. He had the highest passer rating in playoff history from a Cowboys quarterback, minimum of 20 attempts. Uh, and he was able to kind of just shut down the narrative. It was going around saying that there were a first round exit and Dak Prescott's horrible season that had been 
turnovers galore, turnovers this, turnovers that, and he was able to go in there and, and play flawlessly and lead his team to victory. So uh, what did you kind of see in that game? And, and, and obviously, how do you feel about this game? Well, I guess two like overarching points looking back at that game. One, I wasn't very surprised by what happened. Uh, I knew coming off that Washington defeat that, you know, a lot of the criticism going into wild card weekend was going to be on the Cowboys and, oh man, they're about to choke in the playoffs again. And, oh, like, here we go. Like Dallas has kind of been in the conversation all year, but now like at the end of the season, their, their offense is, is not playing well and Dak's making mistakes and no, Kellen Moore calling back-to-back curls, just terrible. And, oh, the defense has regressed. And, I, you know, all this criticism was on the Cowboys going into this game. I knew they were going to step up. And I knew, look, Buccaneers are incredibly limited on offense. I mean, Tom Brady, I think he would fit really well with the speedsters down in Miami, like where he can just distribute the ball. Now, they have to be pretty good on the offensive line too. But you put them in Tampa Bay where they've had some injuries on the offensive line recently. And that's been an issue for them. And, you know, I don't have a ton of faith in their receiving core outside of Mike Evans. They can't get a run game. I I just felt like everything was brewing going into this game for a Cowboys dominating win. So I wasn't surprised one bit. I knew the Cowboys were going to go out and take care of business. And we knew like really early in that game. Okay. Like, I mean, you go up two touchdowns maybe 17 points, 20 points on the Buccaneers, it's over. Like this team does not have enough firepower offensively to be able to stage a big comeback. And Tom is just, I think he can still distribute the ball well. Clearly, we saw at the end of that game, he still has the arm strength. Like he made a throw to, uh, I don't remember who it was to, but he dropped the ball. It was going to be a touchdown. Mike um, Evans. Yeah. Overthrew was that him. Overthrew was it him. Mike Evans? Yeah. Yeah, it was okay. Mike Evans. I thought it was I thought it was someone else, but I guess it was Mike Evans. Um I thought, okay, like Tom can still make some throws. Like he still has the um not maybe the full arm talent, but he's still there's still some arm talent there. I think he can still play in the league, but clearly he's a shell of what he was before. And he was never overly mobile anyways. And the way this game is played today, you gotta at least be somewhat mobile. You have to I mean, even Joe Burrow can at least threaten you a little bit with his legs. Tom Brady, there's no threat there. And there hasn't been in a long time. Um, so I wasn't surprised, first off. Second, I don't think I really gained – I don't think it, it really showed me, okay, like, oh, that, that win right there shows me the Cowboys are a Super Bowl team. I think they played great. I think they did everything they could do. They dominated that game. I mean, the final score was 31-14, to 14, but it wasn't even that close. Yeah. I mean <laughs> – that game was over from the second quarter on. They I, they did what, in my opinion, they were supposed to do. And Dak did exactly what he was supposed to do and then some. I mean, there were some drives in that game against, you know, and I've, I've been a Todd Bowles supporter this whole time. But again, there were a couple drives in that game where I was talking about the, the Giants driving down the field on the Vikings. It looks like flag football or seven on seven. It kind of felt that way at times watching the Cowboys make some drives there and Dak just picking apart that defense and making some just some throws over the middle to the outside. It just, you know, play after play after play, just just thrusting that ball down the field. So kudos, man. They they performed how I thought they would coming off that tough loss. But I think I'm always gonna look ahead. I'm gonna look at what the 49ers are. 
compared to the Buccaneers. I mean, they're, the, the 49ers are on a whole other planet. I think the Eagles are just a different team as well. I think the Giants clearly can do a ton more offensively and are so much, you know, way better coached offensively than the Buccaneers are. So I think the teams remaining, I think, can threaten you a little bit more. And, um, you know, I, I trust, though, I think I think they're going to have a great game plan with, with Dan Quinn. I think they're going to come into this game and, and uh, you know, they're going to have something there for Brock Purdy. I'm not a film junkie. I don't know what, what their plan is going to be, but I trust Dan Quinn with so much experience. He's going to see something in Brock Purdy's game. Like, okay, we can exploit that. Brock Purdy's not Patrick Mahomes. Like, there, there, there are, I'm sure there are flaws to this his game that maybe nobody spotted yet, at least in the NFL, that Dan Quinn's going to be able to see, okay, we can, we can exploit that. But I think it just comes down to 49ers can run the football. Kyle Shanahan is just, again, like <laughs> – talk about Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady and no run game. Now you're on to, you know, Kyle Shanahan and, and all these weapons on offense, Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and a really good offensive line. I mean, I, I just think, I think we can generate pressure on them, but I think there's going to be a point where the Niners just kind of have their way and are, are able to move the ball down the field. And then, you know, maybe that'll put some more pressure on Dak. Maybe he takes a step back this week. So Cowboys, again, this year they've performed great awful losses. So I knew they were gonna I knew they were gonna step up to the plate last week and they did their thing. But I think the Niners are just another team. Um, I think if the Cowboys cover the three or four point spread, and this ends up being a one or two point loss, and it comes down to the wire in San Francisco, and maybe you force a couple turnovers on defense, and you know, Dak plays a good B plus game, like there's nothing to be ashamed of in my opinion, you know, and we can go into this off season feeling pretty good about where things are um, with Mike McCarthy after year two. Yeah. I got to take the Niners to win this one. Um, I'm going to bet on the Cowboys though, having another really good week. Um, and I, and I, I know the way these coaches are, there's going to be no complacency in that locker room. Like Tampa was not the end goal for them. <laughs> there's, there's so many, you know, bigger, better teams to go and uh, they're going to be ready for this one on the road. But uh, give me the Niners, twenty six to twenty four. Going to be really close, though. So I mean, this is this game. I'm really, really excited to see how it plays out because you have really good coaching on both sides, and this is going to be you know great offensive coach and Kyle Shanahan going up against a great defensive coach and uh, Dan Quinn. And then I'm also interested to see how Dak plays this week after you know probably the biggest game of his career, honestly like doing what he did in that game. I, I don't think it's a legacy-changing win. I think if he wins this one and, and, and balls out again, I think that's a legacy-changing win. But, uh, yep, give me give me the Niners, 26-24. I'm, I'm so excited for this one, though. That's all I got. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so much going through my mind right now. Uh, let's Let's backtrack. Let me start with the Buccaneers game. I mean, there's really nothing I can be mad about. Uh, we played amazing. The only bad thing in that game, actually, there was two. The two bad things in that game were Trayvon Diggs probably had his worst game on the defensive side. Uh, didn't look like he was putting much effort out there. Uh, and then, of course, we got to talk about Brett Maher, right? Like the fact that there had never been a kicker to miss that many extra points and he missed four. Like, that, I think that was just one of the freakiest things we've ever seen, right? 
Like, I remember watching the game, right? And I'm like, okay, after the second miss, why would you kick it again? You might as well just go for two. And sure enough, they kicked it again and missed it. I'm like, okay, three times, that's ridiculous. The fourth time, it's like, okay, no way they kick it again, right? Of course, they kicked it again, and they missed it again. And I was like, why do you keep kicking the ball? Like, just go for two. But then I thought about it, and I'm like, wait, this is actually probably smart that they went out there and kept telling him to kick because you don't want to go into that 49ers game with those vibes, right? Like, and that, that mental four, two, like knowing that, Oh my gosh, I just missed four extra points. Like I'm going into this game. Like I don't have any confidence in myself. Like I'm overthinking this, like that's going to carry on. So I think the coaching staff and all the players just told him, Hey man, like we're going to send you out there and keep kicking until you get this damn thing. Right. And he finally got it right. I just think it was one of those freaky things. He only missed one extra point all year. He only missed three field goals all year. Brett Maher has been great for us this year. I'm not going to panic over one freakish game because that it was freakish, right? Like no kicker has ever done that before. Four extra points. Like you don't see that. There's a reason you, the reason that's never happened since like 1929 because it doesn't happen. Kickers kick so many balls a day and You've never seen anything like that happen. So I think that was just the freakiest thing ever. That and Trayvon Diggs having a bad game, that was the only bad thing about the night. Everything else was spectacular. It was awesome. Stress-free, Dak Prescott, best game of his career after all the criticism, 300 yards, four passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. He's only the fourth QB to ever do that ever in a playoff game. That was awesome. And... He bought himself another week, and I love that for him because I was starting to get a little worried about him, uh, especially after the past few months minus the minus the Eagles game on Christmas Eve. They had looked really shaky. Um, but Gledhoe, you mentioned that they looked really good off a loss, and they, they came in and they proved that they were the better team with Tampa Bay. So the night was awesome, uh, and they won their first playoff game on the road in 30 years. 30 years. Guys, I'm 23 years old. I've never seen them win a road playoff game. So that was awesome. So in terms of that game, flawless. I loved it. Minus the kicker and Trayvon Diggs. It was a great night. And I was worried after watching the first two drives because Dak Prescott, you know, he went 0 for 3 and and they were all wide receiver drops. But after that, he only ended up having five incompletions the rest of the game. So flawless. Now, I, I was telling Preston and Gledhill going into that game that because of all this criticism and because of everything that's going on, like people saying that Tom Brady was going to beat the Cowboys and send him home again. And Tom Brady was going to make another magical run. I said, you know what? I think the Cowboys might blow them out tonight. And they, that's exactly what they did. So I'm glad that that ended up happening. And I, I think it's good because, you know, there was so much disrespect going to Dak Prescott in that game. And, and I think he really needed it. So it was awesome in that sense. And it, it was great. Now onto the 49ers game. The only thing I have, like, I'm, it's kind of just rubbing me the wrong way in this game, uh, is the fact that the 49ers get two extra days of rest uh, with more time to prepare. And I think it's a competitive disadvantage. Like, this is the playoffs, not the regular season. And that's why I don't like a Monday night football game for the playoffs. Like, you get a short week, especially if the 49ers who played on Saturday, like, that's just not fair. And the Cowboys are noticeably mad about that. And this isn't about seeding, right? Like this doesn't, this seeding has nothing to do with it. 
There are six total games in the wild card, super wild card now, right? Why didn't they just do three on Saturday, three on Sunday? Why didn't they do that? It's because Goodell cares so much about ratings. He had to put the Cowboys on a Monday night football and have three primetime games. It just kind of ruins the fun, in my opinion. Like the 49ers having two extra days, it's it's, it's not cool. Now you could say it's an excuse, whatever, uh, but that just kind of sucks. Like I, I don't think that the Cowboys having two less days of rest, like I don't think that benefits that, um, them at all. And that honestly, that kind of pisses me off now that I'm thinking about it even more. And I really hope that that has no effect because the Cowboys on rest have not been very good. And I they were talking about this on Get Up uh, the other day. They were saying five days of rest versus seven plus days of rest, road playoff games since 1978, the teams are nine and 24. So the advantage to the five days of rest doesn't help the Cowboys case if we're looking, if we're talking about history. So... I am worried in that concern, but if we get the Cowboys best and we get what we got against the Buccaneers, we are in for a historic game. Uh, I am praying that the Cowboys go in there and they, they show up and they give the 49ers a challenge because if they go in there and they played like last week, we're going to have a really good game and the Dallas Cowboys can absolutely win this game. Uh, unfortunately, I, uh, I think our season ends on Sunday in the hands of the 49ers, I just think the 49ers are the better team. I think overall, coaching, just the, the offensive line, the defense, it's just they, they're just going to overwhelm us. And, I, you know, the 49ers are my pick to come out of the NFC. I think this team is better than Philly. I think it's better than us. Uh, I think this is the team to go to the Super Bowl. And – if the Cowboys do win this game, Preston, you're right. It could be because Brock Purdy struggles and he hasn't faced a defense like this. It could be true. But I just think the 49ers are so well coached and so balanced offensively and defensively that even if Brock Purdy struggles, the other playmakers can bail them out. And I really do think that the time of possession favors the 49ers, the extra rest favors the 49ers, and just overall the coaching favors the 49ers. So I'm not expecting to win this game. As an honest Cowboys fan, I'm expecting us to lose. And I know that's kind of a bummer because I should be like, oh, yeah, let's go. We can win this game. And we definitely can. But I'm being realistic. And I just the, – the 49ers are the last team I wanted to play. And I think it ends here. And I think the 49ers are going to go to Philly next weekend. And they're going to beat Philly next weekend. Uh, so that's a little bit of a spoiler. They're going to beat Philly next weekend. They're going to beat us this weekend. And the 49ers will be representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. And who knows? Maybe they win it. Kind of sucks, man. Kind of sucks that our season has to end. But I'm hoping that we go in there and we can make it a game. Because if we do, I will be happy. And there will be no shame like Gledhill was saying. So, Cowboys, please go in there. Please play good. Please make this a game. And please make this a classic I feel like this game has to be close, right? Like just the Cowboys 49ers, like both knowing both of these franchises. I feel like if we don't get a close game, it's just going to be disappointing. Like I, I feel like we need a really good game. So I'm going to be praying for it. I really hope we can pull it off, but I'm not expecting it. And I think the Cowboys season ends. Let's go 27 to 21. They win by about six points. So they do end up covering the spread. Oh, man. But it's going to be a fun weekend. It's going to be a fun weekend. And that's all I have to say. Let's uh, let's see what happens. 
God help Preston. Y'all had anything else to add to that? Nah, I think it's all summed up. I think, um, I think if it's a close game, the 49ers definitely win, but I see the Cowboys blowing them out from the start. And then the 49ers trying to play catch up. And by that time, it's just too late. And that would be the Cowboys first NFC championship appearance since the nineties, man. If the, okay. I just want to say if the Cowboys win this game, I will go crazy. Like I will literally go crazy because if we win this game, I think we're going to the Super Bowl. Like I legit think if we win this game, we will beat Philly and we will go to the Super Bowl. Like I will have my complete outlook of the season and this team will completely change if we win this game. So Cowboys, let's see if you can do it. But what a ride, man. I mean, can we, can we talk about like what the what the feelings were at the beginning of the season? You know, you lose to the Bucks week one, I think 19 to three about as ugly a loss as you can get. Dak struggles and then gets hurt. And then, you know, Tampa comes to our house and just stifles any offensive attack possible. And then, you know, you got Cooper Rush for four games, five games, whatever the expectations were at that time. And you got Cincinnati coming up. And then you had the Eagles coming up. And you're just like, man, this is the Cowboys made the playoffs last year. This is going to be their step back year. You know, this is going to be a seven and ten team, possibly. I was thinking that. I thought, man, they just Zeke's older. Dak's now hurt. I don't like this receiving room really. I mean, you get obviously you have CD Lamb, but outside of that, it just there was really nothing I, I got excited about there. And then you just you didn't really know. I didn't really know yet about the defense and how good they could be. I thought maybe they would take a step back too, but man, to be in this position, to be one of the four, you know, four best teams in the NFC, absolutely with a chance to go back to the NFC championship for the first time in 26 years or whatever it is. Pretty cool. I think I've learned, I think I've learned to really respect Mike McCarthy, like the last few weeks. Um, I think, I think, I think he's a pretty darn good head coach. And uh, I wasn't really sure about that. Like, like eight months ago or something. So it's pretty cool to see. But do you know who the highest graded defensive player in the Cowboys was against the Bucks? Could you guess? It's it's someone you wouldn't expect. It's not Micah Parsons. Oh, I don't know. Uh, no, he did have a great game, and we we missed him in those last few weeks of the season. Oh gosh, um, I don't think you're going to guess it, honestly. <laughs> I don't know why, but um. <laughs> you know who just came to my mind? Oh, is it Brown? Um, I just thought, I don't know why, but I just thought of Jeff Heath. Obviously, he's not even on the team. <laughs> Yo, that's Jason team. Garrett's boy. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Heath. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, J. Ron Curse. No. Osa Adikizua. Interesting. Yeah, yeah he had... He was the highest graded uh, defensive player from the Cowboys. Uh, and then also, I mean, who, you know who else had a really good game is Israel uh, Makuma. He was the, he's a safety for us. And many of you guys probably don't know who that is because he's not very good. Uh, but this dude, I remember why I remember the only reason I know about this dude is because during hard knocks, uh, he had a, like a, a pretty interesting story that like he was just trying to make the roster uh, being a six round pick. 
and there was like pressure on him making the roster and like his family was poor. Um, he ended up making it. So it was really happy. And then, you know, ends up being an impactful player for us. So, uh, he played really good. He was probably our best secondary player, honestly, in that game. Uh, but wanted to bring up those two, uh, boys, thank you all for joining me this week. Uh, if you guys have time like tomorrow or like this weekend, I definitely want to go over Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson because there's a lot to talk about with those two quarterbacks. And I think we can definitely dive into some stuff. So if you guys have any free time uh, this weekend, y'all let me know because I definitely want to want to talk about Brady's future and uh, and Lamar Jackson. Or this whole this whole offseason QB carousel because that's that's fascinating. And y'all, you know, and there's also the Sean Payton factor. Yeah. Um, which I, I mean, Coward reported today because like, apparently he had dinner with Sean Payton last night, which crazy but uh because i guess well he still works at fox but um yeah i guess i guess that interview with the broncos went incredibly well for both sides so and he's he's their top candidate so can he fix russell wilson who knows <laughs> they already got a good defense so yeah that'd be crazy but um i don't know yeah well well preston will you have any time this weekend yeah well i'll have time i won't have a team to be rooting for so yeah i'll, get, <laughs> I'll have time all right, boys, I'll hit y'all up and uh, we, we can talk about it because definitely want to uh, dive into Tom Brady uh, and then Lamar Jackson, because those are the two most, you know, intriguing quarterbacks this offseason. So uh, I'll hit you guys up and uh, enjoy some football this weekend.